Good morning and welcome to another episode of Smashy Business. I'm Lubna Hamdan. Good morning, Lubna. I'm Richard Fitzgerald. Uh, Richard, we're talking about your favorite topic today, market gains and stocks. <laughs> You're no, very passionate about we, it. We discussed at length with media yesterday, but <laughs> I'm not a, I keep saying I'm not a capital market expert, but the NVIDIA story is mad, isn't it? It is mad. Should we go straight into that or should we go through the news first? Do the, the news. Yeah? Give them a heads up what's coming. Yeah. Okay. So the biggest story in the business world right now is the greatest uh, single day gain in market history with NVIDIA. It added $277 billion um, to its value. Shares rose as well, but we'll get into that soon. Uh, massive scandal for Google's Gemini AI tool. Critics, including Elon Musk, are, are calling it racist. And then Emirates Airlines, good news, Emirates Airlines has secured a multi-year partnership with Wimbledon. It's quite quite big news. Then we've got Jigar Sagar with us here. Stay tuned for that interview. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's going to be talking about building successful startups. How are you feeling this morning, Richard? We had a busy two days at Step. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you were busier than me, but yeah. How are you feeling after Step? Did you like it this year? You know what? I loved the fact that no one covered Step like we did this year. Mm. Um, I don't know about previous years. I don't think anyone ever does cover it. I don't. I don't think anyone has ever covered it as well as we did because we, you know, we were aware of all the panels that were happening. We had. We discussed all of the biggest topics that were happening at Step, right? We had Walid yeah. Shahabi with us. Um, we spoke to a lot of um, startups there. So I'm happy with the content. Yeah, and and you thought it was a good event. You thought like there was good appetite from startups, from investors, from content, everything. Yeah, and I saw a lot of foreign startups coming to the conference. Uh, you know, there were. I spoke to a lady from Lebanon who want, wants to scale, wants to expand into Dubai. A lot of Moscow-based um, guys, founders as well. So there was a lot of movement, a lot of good. international movement coming to. Yeah, there's a lot. Like I think you know the startup villages that when Jitex is on, like it begs to question of like is there a role for these smaller uh, tech events but with the economy booming in general and the macroeconomic factors and tailwind in this part of the Gulf and then mm. also uh, the appetite for capital investment and startups and uh, both from liquidity from investment point of view but also uh, people wanting to start their own businesses yeah it just means that the more the merrier like the more the ecosystem grows uh, and obviously, the more content and the more uh, stories that we tell as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. And it, yeah, I mean, it surprises me that no one was uh, covering all these topics, right? Like Walid Shahabi mentioned something about, you know, he said uh, a few years ago, um, the investors wanted, uh, were pushing the founders towards profitability, uh, you know, but he said this line like burn, baby burn was the trend back then, but it's not actually the right thing to do. And that's why a lot of the startups collapsed. Um, so a lot of interesting points there. We also spoke to uh, Saeed Nofali. He's a director at N5, the, the Dubai-based incubator. It's part of TCOM Group, part of Dubai Internet City, where Step wa uh, took place. Where Smashy had its first license, yeah. Yeah. Of media and Dubai Productions. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible as well. Um, but he, you know, he was talking about the other side of it, saying investors need to check the books of startups before investing, and they should take responsibility and not just give millions to. Um, to, to 20 year olds basically. <laughs> um, anyways, let's dive into uh, the biggest story happening right now. Everyone is talking about it. It's moving markets. Wall Street is, is on fire. The world's most valuable chip maker, NVIDIA, announced record sales. Uh, revenues 
surged by 265 percent um, to 22 billion in three months uh, to 28 January compared to a year earlier. Shares closed 16.4 percent higher on Thursday after the results were announced. Um, besides the the record setting. $277 billion added to the co company's market cap. Its gains for the year to date are, are at $740 billion. Um, it, it's big news um, and it created a domino effect, boosted shares of other tech companies. You, you're looking at me like you want to say something. Do no, you want me to going. continue? So it created a domino effect. It boosted shares in other tech companies. The S&P 500 closed up 2.1%. Um, marking its biggest daily gain since since January last year, um, also surpassing last week's record high. Um, uh, you know, the tech-heavy Nas Nasdaq added almost 3%, uh, closed out its best day in, in over a year. Um, and NVIDIA has now become the third most valuable U.S.-listed company after Microsoft and Apple. So it surpassed um, Amazon and, and overtook um, Google, Google's parent company, Alphabet. It's the story of the decades. It yeah. really is. It's, yeah. um, you know, a long time we were looking at FANG stocks or the top five. And, you know, from, you know, that switch from kind of GM and, and automotive brands and mm. financial stocks to being the most valuable companies in the world to the Facebooks, Amazons, Googles. That took about 10, 15 years. And now we're going through a transition and people are wondering who are the next companies. And almost out of nowhere, although, you know, there's a really good uh, podcast called Acquired that goes into the detailed history of NVIDIA because there aren't that many books about it. Yeah. You know, obviously the CEO is getting a lot of profiles and write-ups at the moment, but it started quite early and it was doing different things. And uh, my brother, he messaged me this week, he has serious FOMO because he was working within Google uh, for for much of his career. And he remembers in 2017 uh, where they were all talking about AI and chips and mm. and he didn't invest in the video stock and he's really FOMO. But I think if you're looking at it, like this year, there's, it's up 63%. Uh, year on year, it's up 231%. Five-year, 1,873%. Ten-year, ten-year, 16,992%. Yeah, incredible. So, you know, but sometimes these uh, stocks go on runs, right? Like, right. Net, uh, you know, Tesla was going on a run for a while. Mm. Uh, but I like, love how you position it, that it did give uh, an uplift to the general stocks as well. A lot of things kind of bounce back a bit. Uh, what, why is this happening? Uh, layman's terms are my loose understanding of this is obviously AI is a buzz term, but why is this actually happening? Because uh, machi machine learnings, large language models are run off data centers. Right, exactly. And data centers need uh, microchips, semiconductors, and NVIDIA are the leader in producing these semiconductors. And there's uh, and the orders that have been coming in a lot from this part of the world yep. uh, to build these data centers that are going to own the future, basically, the AI warehouses, yeah. uh, they need to be built on this stuff. So the orders, so what the stock bounced because people thought the orders would be high, but they were way higher than they even suspected. Exactly. With billions and billions of dollars, the or orders coming in were way higher. So people were going, hang on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all the big investment in the world is going into this. 
Exactly. Uh, so that's simple name as a service. There's probably a lot more detail. Yeah. Don't ask me anything else about, <laughs> about chips, but yeah. I won't, I won't. But, you know, the, the, the chief of NVIDIA himself said on Wednesday that demand is surging worldwide and that AI is at a tipping point. Um, but he also mentioned uh, data. So in addition to the uh, AI chips, sales at the company's data centers have grown rapidly and it's co contributed to the vast majority uh, of its revenues in the most recent quarter. Um, so yeah, it's, it's incredible to see AI, you know, there's there's so much more demand, as you said, than they expected. And yeah, I mean, there is a lot. I, I think there's a little bit of hype. Like the way he phrased that is like, there's best is yet to come. So as he was yeah. right, because he right. doesn't want to say that they're they're just spiking. Yeah, and it should drop tomorrow. Uh, but also, you know, when when Sam Altman was talking last week at the World Government summit a forum and uh he was and he's trying to raise seven trillion dollars like it's a different ball game mm -hmm. we're in now like yeah. open ai nvidia like you know these companies are just surging past total mark cap 1.9 trillion right like it's it's a while ago you know it's not that long ago when no one could become a trillion dollar company and these guys are nvidia are on track to hit two trillion dollars yeah Right, like it's they're just booming past everyone. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, um, it's, we're different ball games right now. And uh, you know, I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe it is maybe it is the time. But like, at least there's something to be excited about. At least there's something to get behind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it's you know, like the market is on fire, right? And when that domino effect starts, even if it is for a short period of time, even if it drops, even if it does drop tomorrow, it is it is really exciting. Just looking at that chart, that line, yeah, uh, on, on your phone screen right there <laughs> yeah. like it's uh really exciting yeah but, uh, yeah i think you know they're an american company they probably make their chips in different places should mm. know that information but um we do know that uh abu dhabi and others are investing in in uh, data centers and, yeah. and but we would like to see ai unicorns come out of this region whether it's mm. in the chip area but look we've got two right we've got uh, globally like we everyone's heard of open ai which yeah. is which is a software base and uh, NVIDIA is a hardware base, right? Like they have data centers and stuff. So it just shows that the AI uh, types of companies can be multifaceted. It doesn't have to be one or the other. You don't have to suddenly go, oh, I, I need to do a social network or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, um, so there's that, but yeah. Uh, the second story is to do with AI as well. So right? actually, yeah, exactly. So this, you know, speaking of AI um, on the other side of it, because it is a double-edged sword, isn't it? So there's a massive scandal for Google right now. It's Gemini AI tool um, basically has been showing misleading images of the race of historical figures. Um, so people on social media started pointing this out. Uh, it's been showing U.S. founding figures, uh, fathers, sorry, as people of color. Um, Elon Musk, of course, <laughs> was one of the first to criticize. He jumped on that bandwagon. He said, I'm glad that Google, he said on X, formerly Twitter, I'm glad that Google overplayed their hand with their uh, AI image generation as it made their insane, racist, anti-civilized, uh, anti-civilizational programming clear to all. So he's basically calling them racist. He also retweeted, um, Google has had control of the minds of billions of people through search and YouTube. They have done great damage to Western civilization. They are woke AF. <laughs> wow, he's really on the attack. He attacks lots of companies every now and again, but he's going after Google. I mean, Elon Musk was a part of OpenAI. He's got his own 
AI uh, ambitions mm -hmm. with X and with other things. I think he's been involved in other ventures. So obviously he doesn't want Google to do well. But the, yeah. the whole thing of, you know, this is very negative PR for Google. It Have is. you seen some of the images? Like yep. it, they're very racist. Yep. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, yeah, and you know, the irony is that um, the, the, the Google Cloud sponsored step conference this year. And on Wednesday in Dubai, they release Gemini, this mm -hmm, product, mm -hmm. to the world, mm -hmm. right? Or, well, to our Dubai little bubble world. And uh, two days later, they're not, they're pulling it. So they basically the product that was the talk of step yeah. is now being pulled because people realize that it's just not fit for purpose. It's just racist, basically. And I, I've seen some of the images and, you know, like it, it's really bad. Yeah. And, and so, but what's, what's interesting to me from a comms and media point of view is where's their statement in Dubai now? Like yeah, it just doesn't exactly. happen. Yeah. Right. Like, exactly. and you know, they'll, they'll wait for, uh, they'll wait for Mountain View or whatever to come out with some statements and they put it on their blog. But like, you know, it's, it's funny, they can, they can announce something all whistles, all dance, whatever bells and whistles in Dubai yeah. with a pre-approved presentation and look amazing and take all the platitudes saying well done that's a brilliant product but then when it backfires they just go numb you know yeah i mean it's typical though for these big companies yeah. isn't it for them to just go silent but it will blow over rather quickly i think people have short memories do you think so because you know google have been around since 2005 larry page and sergey brin uh, aren't really involved yeah. uh, eric schmidt's long gone sundar pishai is running it now and he's doing a good job but uh, I don't know, like, I, I think the internet's changing, like, uh, anecdotally, like, Vice.com announced last night that they're no longer publishing on their website, that they're killing their website, and they're just relying on social media to become distribution. I think the internet's Which changing. they should have done a long time ago. Potentially, <laughs> like, potentially, but what's the role of any web, any news organization website with, with a new internet, with AI internet, and, you know, Google had Bard, and now they're doing Gemini, and, like, the search engine is changing, right? And if AI is serving up search engine, uh, information then what's what is the future of Google and uh, you know I was checking that the share price drop a bit on this but if they're getting if they're missing the AI train right. just like Microsoft missed the iPhone train like it, it, it there's a long way back like I, I don't know I, mm. I I would be a little bit worried if I was if I was uh, this is not investment advice but if I was like um, bullish on some companies You'd be looking at the ones who are obviously like NVIDIA and OpenAI, but other ones who seem to have a, a strategy on where AI is going. Uh, we don't really know what Apple are doing, uh, but you know you you would need to see what's the next thing. And there there is going to be a time when uh, Apple start to decline, right? Uh, you know whether they whether they stop being cool, but like they've had a long run, right? I and, mean, you know, just Zuckerberg's video. Of, True. of uh, saying the Vision Pro was uh, overpriced was not, and everything. Yeah, 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 and not that good, and and, and basically, yeah, and not great. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so the, the companies have runs, right? Yeah. It's the history, right? But I think uh, you know Microsoft turned things around by just really smart partnerships. Uh, but the companies have runs, and you know we're sitting here in twenty twenty four, in twenty thirty four, in ten years' time, will Google and Apple be the, in the top four most valuable companies in the world. I don't think so. Wow. Okay. I don't big, think big, so. Yeah, big statement to make. I don't think so. I personally, I, yeah. personally I, I, I would back someone who's there and running the ship. And I, mm. I, I would back Zuckerberg over the others. Tim Cook's going to step down. Uh, but I could be completely wrong. 
you know. I mean, who knows? The, there, there are a lot of shifts happening in the market, so who knows? Yeah. It'll be exciting to see anyway. It's exciting to live through this time <laughs> and, and see this happening. Yeah. Um, another exciting thing is Emirates Airlines. Uh, I love it when there's a, a small win, in, in this case, a slam, a grand slam <laughs> partnership, pun intended. Um, Emirates Airlines announced a multi-year collaboration with the Championships Wimbledon, one of the most prestigious tennis events uh, in the world. Sir Tim Clark said, from hard courts to green grass, we're thrilled to extend uh, our foot footprint in the tennis world. I mean, I love this story, right? Yeah. Well, why? I'll, well, I'll tell you why. Because I want to tell my Rolex story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but I, I love this story because no, I, we, we we talked about their sponsorship that they've done recently with NBA and yeah. the Emirates are just really good at sponsorship. Yep. But also anecdotally, the WTA Women's Tournament, the Dubai GD3 Tennis Championship, is on this week. And uh, the quarterfinals were yesterday. I'm going to attend tonight. I was hoping that uh, Iga Swiatek, uh, world number one, would be playing against Coco Goff. But Coco Goff lost late last night at 11 p.m. Mm. in three sets. Uh, she's a Grand Slam winner. So there are four really good semifinalists there. And then next week is the men's in Dubai. They're playing in, in Doha at the moment. Uh, but so Emirates have obviously uh, seen the opportunity of Wimbledon. Wimbledon is an iconic brand, yeah. right? It's it's the most pristine. You can just see the green grass and the white clothes, and it's a it's beautiful experience. You know, I've been fortunate to kind of attend in different ways there over the years, from camping out, out overnight on the very well run lawn queue lines and everything to really? going with Ebian and different brands and you know and seeing it on Monday night with Tim Hemman and uh, you know great players over the years obviously Andy Murray but the story is to do with sponsorship uh, there's when Wimbledon was kind of getting commercial maybe like 50 years ago uh, someone involved in trying to commercialize the brand uh, was working with uh, was trying to approach global iconic brands and got in touch with Swiss watch manufacturer Rolex, yeah. which sell more luxury watches than any brand in the world put together pretty much, uh, brought the head of marketing or the CEO to London, brought them into the uh, you know center court on a Sunday um, All England Club uh, men's finals tennis championship. And like there was like, uh, you know, Borg against McEnroe or someone was playing. And everyone was there with their champagne and their strawberries, right? And they were, and then the queen comes in, and they're in the royal box, and there's a big applause. And uh, the salesperson stood up and said, uh, "This, this is Rolex." Nice. <laughs> so it was like, you know, and, and what they did was they put the Rolex watch on the scoreboards and to tell wow. the time, and it's still there. Wow. And it's a pure like, it's it's a way to kind of sell sponsorship to say the brand is. The brand, right? Like mm -hmm. the fit is just so experiential, so immersive. It's so classy. Yeah. It's it's royalty. It's sport. It's emotions. It's fans off their seats, and uh, you know, and 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 to this day, it's a perfect brand fit. And I think does it, it sells itself, doesn't it, Rolex? Yeah. The marketing was so good that it, they don't even need to market anymore yeah. at all. Yeah, exactly. But but the, but the partnership has survived, and these are these things yeah. are partnerships, right? They're not ads. And you know, seeing Tim Clark on the All England Club lawn in that photo and that press release shows that like Emirates get it, you know, and that's a really nice partnership. So well yeah. done to them. Yeah, yeah, cool. really exciting see you, stuff. See you, Emirates will invite us to the finals now. There's somewhere I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. The, the champagne and the strawberries sound. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Um, 
<laughs> Thank you, Richard. Um, up next, we've got Jigar Sagar. Uh, he's a serial entrepreneur. He's going to be talking about how to build a successful startup and what he's learned. He's going to share it with us. Stay tuned. Uh, Jigar Sagar, am I pronouncing that correctly? That's why. Great, because some people here, um, aka English expats, tend to <laughs> mispronounce every <laughs> single name. <laughs> uh, it's Jigar Sagar. Jigar Sagar. Okay. Yeah, see, you, you got it. Okay, cool. Good, good, good. So um, it's exciting that you're here with us in the studio because we just spent two days covering STEP conference. Right. It's one of the biggest... And I would say best uh, events for startups and, and SMEs and entrepreneurship in general. Um, and you're one of the prominent figures in, in entrepreneurship. You've done a lot for uh, for startups here. You've helped over 25,000 companies um, set up right, right. through uh, Subhub. So Setup is one of the corporate services pro uh, corporate service providers. Setup. Setup. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in the brand portfolio. Yeah. Uh, but overall, through various entities such as Creative Zone, Setup, and uh, we also operate a few uh, free zone operations here in a public-private partnership here in the UAE. So at this point, I think we have crossed over two, three hundred thousand company setups uh, wow. in the UAE uh, in the last decade. How many of them are still up and running? Um, you would be surprised. <laughs> uh, there's quite a bit of a large retention rate out here in Dubai. Okay. Um, so we cater to SMEs and startups, and that's what my passion is, is to yeah. help uh, budding entrepreneurs go from zero to one and then from one to hundred, yeah. uh, rather than just attract large companies to come and set up here. Yeah, that, that's uh, great. That's beautiful. Tell me about the retention rate, because you know globally... Yeah. About, I would say for startups, it's about 70%. Really, seventy yeah. percent. Okay, yeah. that's great news to hear because we do, you know, see startups open and then shut down yeah. uh, rather quickly. But I guess it's different for SMEs Correct. Uh, as well. Um, were you at Step? Um, no, you I skipped wasn't. it. I skipped it. I was okay. doing something else. Okay, it's okay. You're you're a busy man, so we uh, we understand. But um, what what is a trend that you've noticed uh, with startups nowadays? What are they doing wrong? I mean, you've helped so many of them set up. You've seen some of them close down. You've seen some of them keep operating. Um, let's start with that. What's wrong is uh, I think people are trying to set up a business just because they want to set up a business. Great point they do not understand what problem they're solving. They're trying to probably copy someone out there who's successful. They're trying to get into something that's more of a fad. Mm -hmm. Let's open up a fashion boutique. Uh, but do you really understand fashion, right? I mean, things like that. Uh, let's open up one more restaurant or a club or a bar in Dubai. Yeah. And I think that's where the downfall is okay. without actually catering to specific problem statements. I love that you said that because it is a massive issue in F&B, uh, in startups generally, even in tech, you know, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of companies shut down rather quickly. Uh, and it's, you know, it's more than just, oh, I set up a business and I failed, so it's okay. No, actually, when you set up a business, when you're an entrepreneur, when you're a business owner, people rely on you for their salaries. And some of those people are, you know, have families and kids who <laughs> rely on them. So it's a big responsibility. Um, and so do you think they need mentors or do you think they need to put their ego aside? Is it like a, a vanity thing? Um, I think it's both. Uh, when you say do they need mentors, I think the whole education system is 
what's causing these problems, right? We are not taught in school uh, how to be entrepreneurs. We are not taught in school the real life skills that are needed. Do they teach you how to do your taxes? Do they teach you cash flow management? Do they teach you marketing, demand generation? In school, not necessarily. I mean, do they teach you how to sell in school? No. They teach you math you'll never use. <laughs> I mean, you could use math, right? I mean, again, numbers yeah. are important. Uh, yeah. I always tell this to people, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you better understand and start loving numbers. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you're not going to know where your business is going right. and how do you need to pivot. Uh, you need to be able to read data and analyze data. So numbers are important, but they don't teach you those skills. They just teach you basic numbers in school, right? Um, so I think because that's missing from the education system, you have that inherent need for mentors and guides and hopefully uh, subject matter experts which can come out there um, and help these people, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say I hope the education system develops a bit more to include uh, all the above <laughs> that you just mentioned, but I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, if it is going to happen, I feel like Dubai is the place where it will happen first. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with you on that. And it's moving, you know, really fast. Um, we had Sam Altman here, you know, for the World Government Summit. Uh, the UAE is going to be a testing ground for AI. So, yeah, I, I do have hope <laughs> for that here in this right. uh, in this city. Um, speaking of Dubai, um, some people argue that it's harder to shut down a startup or a company here than actually uh, setting it up. You have to pay for a lot of things, small things like having an office. If you change anything in the office, you have to you know, return it as it was. Um, is that true? Is it a myth? What do we need to know? Um, depends on the nature of the business, right? So I think gone are the days when business setups needed to be associated with physical spaces uh, unless the nature of the business demands it. You can't have a retail store without a shop, right? right. So, But if you are in the services industry, uh, you are a content creator. Do you really need to create or build your own recording studio? Probably not. Um, yeah. You can go rent one out there, right? Because you have this platform of services now available in the city. Um, so I think it's about being smart and keeping that ego aside that yeah. uh, wherein you shouldn't have a problem renting. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you play it smart, uh, you can keep your costs down. So the challenges that people are talking about when it comes to shutting down primarily focuses on people, salaries, end of service benefits. And it's just probably because of poor cash flow management. How can they better manage their cash flow? This cost cutting, you spoke about that. There are a lot of companies that uh, you know, set up offices in Media City. Again, sometimes it is very much ego-driven. Um, but what is the main factor that affects that cash flow? Is it, you know, founders paying themselves 80000 a month, like a one founder who I won't name? Mm -hmm. uh, what is it? See, I don't think there's a problem if a founder takes a salary. But again, it has to be in sync with the size of the business, the nature of the business. It, as a founder, you can't just put a price point against your value, right? Because yeah. it's your business, that's what you're taking the equity for. Absolutely. Um, but in terms of cost cutting and being conscious with the cash flow, I think it's about more to do with planning. Mm -hmm. So I don't believe in the concept of cost cutting, right? I believe okay. in the concept of planning right. effectively, because sometimes you actually need to invest more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to allow for 
better returns, mm -hmm. to allow for better results, or to accelerate uh, yeah. the situation wherein either you're going to succeed or fail. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're going to go just with the concept of cost cutting, you're never really going to grow. Hey, uh, shout out to the investors. <laughs> <laughs> and not every, I mean, do you know what's funny is that the most abundant thing out there is money. There are many people sitting with money out there waiting to grab a good idea to invest in. It's just some people aren't aware of how to access those funds okay. um, or they're just too lazy. <laughs> but yeah. ultimately, money is available in abundance. I mean, when there's a will, there's a way. And Absolutely. the subconference, I don't want to keep praising them, but I really do love that event because it really gives you so much value. You meet uh, great people with great insights. Um, but yeah, sorry, go on. No, I mean, I think an event like that, for example, right, allows you to network, allows you to access talent, uh, allows you to meet other individuals who have similar visions or just money, access to money. Right? Yep, yep. So Absolutely. what's stopping you from attending one of those events if you were looking for investors for your business mm -hmm. idea? I mean, funding has dropped, uh, or it did drop last year. Hopefully, we'll see it rise again this year. Um, I mean, there is money out there, but what is your advice for people who are not lazy, who are looking for money, but perhaps someone is just not taking a chance on them? So I think in that case, um, there are many ways to do this. Go for micro loans, go for friends and family, tap into those uh, pools of resources that you have and the network that you have as an individual. Um, look around you. There are friends, there are people that you know. Step ask out. for help. Don't ask be afraid to ask for help. Absolutely. I mean, there is nothing wrong in asking for help. And in reality, what you're doing is a business transaction. Those people are not giving that money away for free. They are getting a stake in the company against that fund and they will benefit. So they will invest only if they truly believe in the vision. Yeah. Hey, if Sofia Amoroso started a business uh, while living in her car, I think we can do it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm going to say something a little bit uh, controversial. It's not me who said it, but there was an entrepreneur, uh, you know, Joy from uh, Fetcher. She said years ago, you're dead before you, you've even started. She was talking about startups, setting up startups in Dubai. Mm -hmm. Um, is that the, the, it's no longer the case, mm -hmm. um, but if someone were to say that now, um, what would be your uh, opinion on it? Because people still love to hate on Dubai, they still love to complain, even though we have a lot of events and a lot of opportunities and Abu Dhabi just announced, you know, uh, another program to support entrepreneurs. Um, what are the benefits of setting up a startup in Dubai? A lot of people are flying and moving from Moscow, from around the world to come and set up here. There's really a hype. There's really a shift in markets where it's not, oh, I want to go to the UK to set up a business, uh, not the US. You know, they're both in shambles right now, those two, you know, uh, world powers. Um, what's the benefit of Dubai? So firstly, to answer the first part, right? Uh, the number of business setups that we have seen through our various entities out here uh, has been the highest in 2023 compared to ever before of us being in this industry for almost now 15 years. Yeah. Right. So, yes, there's a lot more startups coming up. Uh, retention rates are as good as ever. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there is a dearth of startups and that desire to become an entrepreneur out here. And why this region, why this country? Um, 
it's primarily because you have a great access to talent pool. Right. So what's happening is we have this amazing As long as they don't go to Saudi, right? Um, <laughs> it's healthy competition. It's healthy competition. I think, I think uh, Saudi has its place, uh, yet there is something that uh, Dubai offers, of course. which is not being offered yet, uh, which mm -hmm. is a lifestyle component. Mm -hmm. So from a lifestyle component, talent is coming here. Uh, and talent from across the globe, whether because things are bad out there or just because things are good out here. Yeah. Uh, COVID applied everywhere, yet people were continuously flying into Dubai. Why? Because of the health systems we have out here, right? Yeah. So from a lifestyle perspective, we are seeing this massive inflow of great talent and from across the globe, from various functions, various industries. So you all of a sudden had have this melting pot of talent, uh, skill sets, visions, ideas, money, and with this amazing ability to take um, and foster risk, right? Uh, the, the leadership here promotes creativity, promotes risk taking. I mean, they are they run Dubai as a business, yep. Inc. anyways. Absolutely. So it's drilled into us to take risks yep. um, and to not be afraid. So all of a sudden, this is the place to be. You have technology coming in over here and being adapted at a pace which is unlike anywhere else. Um, sure, sure. We're running out of time, uh, and I really want to ask you one more question before we uh, before we go. Do you think we're going to see more tech unicorns come out of the region? Will we see more um, IPOs and companies, you know, listing uh, whether regionally or abroad? Absolutely. Um, what's happening right now is just the beginning. I think you're going to have a lot more home, homegrown unicorns coming out of UAE uh, in this decade. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an exciting, exciting statement to close with. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure uh, to have you and uh, a really, really fascinating um, advice and, uh, and insights. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Okay, guys, um, stream us. Uh, you already know where uh, and you know where to listen to us as well. Uh, smashy.tv uh, okay sorry my producer is just talking in my ear and sometimes he, he confuses me so smashy.tv for streaming uh, our videos and listen to us uh, as a podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts Anghami, Apple, Spotify of course do support Anghami they're a homegrown local brand so give them some love thank you and we'll see you tomorrow <laughs>